Can the people hear me? Okay, so I think that they can hear me. Well, let's see if we can hear you. Try that again. Okay. Uh, I think that everybody can hear me, so we're going to have to run that back in a second. Give me one second there. Um, let's see here. Go ahead, try again. Hmm. Okay, they said that they cannot hear you. They said that they can hear me. Uh, oh. When they use... Let's see here. Yeah. Desktop audio. Let's see here. Yeah, audio should be up and going. But they can't hear you for some reason, Jolyn. Huh. I can hear you. Discombobulate the combobulator. Okay. <laughs> Let me see what I can do here, because we got to take the glasses off here and go into tech, uh, tech mode. Don't worry, people. We're going to fix JoLynn's audio so that way she's here with us. Yeah, I mean, because I can hear you. Hmm, stand by. <laughs> yeah, your audio is in. I don't think so. Here we go. Okay. See, this is the one thing I do not like when uh, Zoom makes the edits. <laughs> did you put us on the Be Right Back screen? I did. <laughs> Can you hear me? I can hear you just fine. Okay, let's see if that works. Let's see here. All right, say something. Microphone check. One, two, one, two. There she is. <laughs> she just answered. Jalen, find replay. <laughs> can y'all hear me? We can hear everyone now. <laughs> We're back. We're back. All right. Man. Oh man, see, Zoom be playing games. Like, for real, for real, I think that what Zoom is doing is they're trying to prepare, you know what, I'm not gonna spill any beans here, so I'm gonna just, you know, keep it kosher. But let's go ahead and pawn that replay. Thank you everybody for sticking around with us because, you know, hopefully we're coming in loud and clear. You can hear us, you know, you can see us in 4K quality or at least 1080p or 720, depending on, you know, what your connection is. But, yo, shout out to each and every single one of you for rocking with us. We're going to try to, like, you know, speed this up a little bit so that way we can get back on, on pretty much, I guess, on timeline, back on brand, whatever it is. Because, you know, being on brand is something that we definitely pride ourselves on here at the Come Up Series. But... All right, so what's everybody? What's up, everybody? I am Mark Monroe, accompanied by my wonderful co-host, co-producer, co-creator, good friend, and on top of that, super dope trader, and on top of that, already legend, already leisurely. Shout outs to the wonderful. It's Jolyn GC in the place to be. So glad y'all can finally hear me. Okay. <laughs> and this is your come up, but today is very special because we do some we do some pretty cool episodes, aka the wonderful school of investing so today is going to be a really dope episode and uh yeah i'm pretty excited but let's get some of the obvious stuff out of the way like for example if you haven't subscribed yet i know we had a few te technical difficulties and i know that we're like stuttering a little bit but that just lets you know how excited we are but go ahead and hit the subscribe button down below because we would truly appreciate it and there's a ton of great content for you to go back and check out after tonight's episode 
And on top of that, if you like what we do, if you think that Joe Lynn over there is fly in the print, as well as with the red glasses to be accessorized with the outfit and the ensemble, go ahead and hit that like button. And on top of that, if you want to be in the know, just like D'Angelo was, where he was the first one here hey. in the chat, which has been a while, and you know, we're going to have to have that little talk later. But uh, go ahead and hit that bell so you can be a part of the Notification Squad, a.k.a. the Cool Kids Club. All right. Jolene. Yeesh. What's up? (laughs) (laughs) Yo, okay. So, you know, what is this? Is this going to be a bounce? Is this here to stay? You know, it's like after Brother Jerome got done rocking the mic, then, you know. I said what I said. Right. Growth started to, you know, come back. So here we go. The Dow was up 183.15 points. So now it's at a level of 36,252.02. Then the S&P 500 was up by 42.78 points, um, which leads it to a level of 4,713.07. Then we have the NASDAQ, you know, fighting its way, trying to get that good rally. Uh, It was up (laughs) 210.62 points, which brings us to a level of 15,153.45 points. The VIX was down um, to 18.41 points. And then we have the 10-year treasury note. Oh, it, it, well, it creeped down a tiny bit, um, but it's still over uh, one point. It's at 1.739%. Then heading over to sector performance, as you know, this is the perfect time when the market is doing things all willy-nilly, this is the perfect time to track that sector rotation. Uh, there are 11 sectors we're gonna track the top three and the bottom three um, every episode so that you know what that rotation is looking like. So we got energy, tech, and materials leading the pack today. Um, Then for the bottom three, consumer staples, real estate, and utilities. For pick performance, we got C-Web, Lucid, and C-A Limited doing its thing, holding it down for the top three. And for the bottom three, we have uh, Caterpillar, TBT and EAT. So those ones were all in the red today. Um, and, you know, it, what's interesting about today is really the interest lies in how you yourself reacted to what happened to kick off the year. I know many of us were thinking, oh, you know, we're, you know, it's 2022, you know, new year, who this, but um, the market was just like, I'm still dealing with some stuff from 2021. So y'all gonna have to sit tight. Um, (laughs) So we waiting for the market to shake that off so we can get into recovery. But you know, all these strands and variants just won't let us be great. But even still, cousin uh, Dan says to hold on when it comes to tech. So and you can kind of see the strength that tech had today. Um, we'll see if this will um, hold or maintain. But Mark, um, so last week, yes. the episode about, you know, the intersection of health and wealth was so good. Like that analysis and that conversation, I'm talking like visual melanin dripping down to the YouTube, um, all of that was such a rich um, conversation and I'm so excited about what we're going to be talking about today. Me too. Me too. When should we begin? Let's do it now. Oh, before we begin, though, I do have to apologize to the cousins because, um, you know, lately Instagram has been hating on your girl, like left and right. Can't catch a break. Um, And there's something wrong with my stories it won't let me create a story like the usually the question poll. So um, I apologize on behalf of Instagram because it's not my fault, but I do take responsibility for that. Didn't want to leave you guys all out in the cold. Um, So if you do have questions, just bear with us. Hopefully um, they will have that fixed by Thursday and we can get into your questions. Um, But this would be a good opportunity to seek some peer advice um, for these questions, you know, peers like Google, peers like Investopedia, and peers like the Come Up Cousins in our Facebook group. So holla at your peer mentors, and you already know who who claims he's not a mentor, but seriously, come on now. 
you can holler at him too. I'm sure he has some stuff to say. Oh my gosh, Mark. Shout out to, to Tivo and AJ for yes! a wonderful <laughs> supplemental <laughs> Sunday. Y'all yes! made me proud. I am so proud of y'all. And on top of that, it's like the knowledge and everything else that's coming through. A1, A1. So shout outs to y'all. Keep doing your thing and keep you know providing each and every single one of those uh, ingredients to make one of the most amazing dishes called a balanced and well-adjusted portfolio with the mm. knowledge that you guys are giving up. So I'm super proud of them. Yo, it was, it was so good. And honestly, Mark, it feels amazing to know that we have cousins who can hold their own and yes. not only hold their own, but share the same values that we have. And, um, just continuously serving and contributing to the cousins and this collective, um, this collective walk away. I truly appreciate Tivo and AJ. So thank you. And I heard, you know, um, MJ was doing their thing as well. So Facts. shout out to you as well. MJ. I don't want to leave you out, but um, are you ready? We haven't done like slides in a minute. I know, right? And it's like, you know, you can always tell when it's going to be great because there's always like some type of either technical difficulty, fumbling, or just, you know, a bunch of stuff going on. And today is one of those days. So that lets you know, buckle up because it's about to be uh, one of those days. So, uh, disclaimer, we <laughs> may pinch a nerve. <laughs> but yet at the same token, just know that it's all in love and no mm -hmm. shade. So... Yeah, yeah let's okay. get to it. <laughs> Shall we? Yeah. Let's do it. Okay. Come on in, gather on in. Welcome class, you know, uh, shout outs to the sophomores in the building. Shout outs to the freshmen that are here. You know, I want y'all to gather around, take a seat, you know, hurry up before the tardy bill uh, starts to kick in. You know, we got a lot to discuss today. So, Let's get into it. Today we are going to have our psychology uh, 101 course uh, as it pertains to investments. Uh, so hopefully that you will find this conversation or this lecture a little bit enlightening, um, also fruitful, as well as maybe even just something that you can possibly even connect to. I just want you to know, wherever you are, it always starts from in the mind. So without further ado, Buckle up, y'all. Get your pen and papers ready. You know, have your best note-taking devices. You find yourself in a quiet room. And let us get started. So if you're a freshman in the building, it's all good because you get to have one of the, some of the good knowledge that's coming your way. And on top of that, for y'all sophomores, you know, I want y'all to be supportive of the freshmen in the building. But, yo, let's get this knowledge, shall we? So, you know how we typically do it in typical fashion. We say the future is not something we enter. The future is something that we create. So, just remember that. Uh, like, remember we said in freshman year, we said that the game needed change, so we let the people put, pay, uh, play cash here. We still believe that, hence the reason why this uh, school of investing is 100% uh, free. Hopefully, you gain more value out of the come-up series than you can ever do in an MBA program or any other uh, series of education, but also the same token, you know, something that's valuable to you in building your wealth. All right, so let's talk about investment bias. Okay, so we're gonna go through the and we're gonna go through the diagnosis, then we're gonna talk about investment bias, and then we're gonna talk about a little bit of strategy, the idea, and then we're gonna, you know, maybe even do a little bit of inception here. So hopefully y'all enjoy yourselves, Kick back, relax. But first things first, remember this, 98% of investors and traders will lose 100% of their portfolio trading on just speculation over time. Now that's going to be interesting because of the fact that, you know, there's a lot of speculation that takes place within the markets and everything else. Um, and essentially, you know, here we are. Our goal is to make sure that we remove as much speculation as we can, as well as a much, as much bias as we can. So that way, essentially, you can make sound investment decisions or AKA trades. And the first thing to address is what's in the mind. So without further ado, let's start off with the diagnosis, shall we? 
So where are you, if you were to look at your portfolio today, where are you in the cycle of emotion? Now, this looks very, very familiar, but essentially, let's let's start from it. Like, normally, when you think about it from the very, very base uh, section, we see mm -hmm. that, especially when we get a little bit toppy or on our way to, like, the, the final breakout, we say, ah, I see a trend. I should watch this market. Then they go from watching to, if I wait any longer, I will not profit from the trend. I must buy. Thankfully, I didn't wait to buy because you get that final last leg up, and then finally... I will use this correction to increase my position to buy. Okay, wow, at this price, I will double my position, buy. I can't believe it, the price has now halved. This must be the absolute bottom. Why doesn't the Banking Association have anything to say about this? Enough is enough. I should sell and never look at stocks again, sell. And then, luckily, I sold everything. Ah, oh, it will still fall. What did I say? It was still going to fall. Then, what's going on here? I knew all along that it would recover, and then finally, whatever, I will buy again. Anyway, it is cheaper than last time. <laughs> is it really? <laughs> <laughs> Talk about a roller coaster of emotion. So, which one... Or where in the cycle do you find yourself at? And you know, and if you've gone through this multiple different cycles, I want you to remember this. Screenshot it if you must, or always come back to this episode so that way you can always like just take a look and see. Okay, hey, where am I? Where are my emotions at? Uh, in perspective. All right. So, what what is this thing called investment bias? You know, we all have cognitive biases. You know, those are the things in which that we consider hardwired, and we are all liable to take shortcuts, oversimplifying complex decisions, and be overconfident in our decision-making process. It's just human nature. We do these things, whether it's in sports, where, say, for example, if you play basketball, and you think that you're nice, and then all of a sudden, it's like, yo, you look at everybody else, and you never expect for the other person on the basketball court to be nice, and then, you know, you're seeing during warm-ups, they're making a few shots, you're like, eh, I got it. And then you get on the court and then you, they drop 31 on you. And then you're like, how did this happen? Mm. You know, these are the types of things where it's like we find ourselves overconfident or whatever it is just to essentially, you know, make sense of it all. Um, so understanding these biases can lead to better decision making, which is fundamental um, and lowers risks uh, while improving investment returns over time. So again, you know, what makes a great investment decision when you are able to lower your risk, but at the same token, essentially maximize as it pertains to the reward or AKA the return. Um, so the shorter the, but I want to put this out here for you, the shorter the investment term coupled with a higher expectation of return goals leads to an increase of your investment bias strength. Hmm. We wonder why. So let's talk about it. Let me give you an example. Shall we? Yes. All right. So um, let's just say, now, isn't this funny? Now, funny fact about this slide. Now, I did this slide exactly on, um, what was it? I did this slide on sophomore orientation day. And funny fact, somebody please let me know exactly where we opened at this morning uh, for the SBY. But, you know, does this trader have a bias if we were looking at this portfolio? Does this trader have a bias? Knowing what we see today versus, say, for example, what we saw back then, did this trader have a bias? Well, hmm. What do you all say? If you think that this trader, and from just looking at this, uh, just looking at this position at the current time when this trade was was executed, back on sophomore orientation, throw yes in the chat if this trader had a bias. All right, let me look. Let's look and see what they say. I think they got to catch up. Uh, yes. We got a yes so far. We have yeses. So far, 100% yes. <laughs> okay. So with that being said, let's see what the slide presentation has to say about that. Yes. <laughs> this trader has a complete bias, but which one? Well, we won't know that until we get into it. So let's do it, shall we? Yes. So remember this. There are eight common biases 
that investors will probably experience somewhere in the process of them trading. Whether, say for example, you as a trader or even you as an investor. And you can even look at some of these things as it pertains to just in life. These are some biases that you will probably see. Now, here are the eight. We've got confirmation, regret aversion, disposition effect, hindsight, familiarity, self-attribution, trend chasing, and worry. So if we were looking at these things, how many of these do you identify with when it comes to investor bias? Hmm. Okay, so let's just do a simple breakdown of each and every single one of these biases tonight, shall we? Mm -hmm. Starting off with confirmation bias. This is the most common bias that we normally see across the board. And why? Well, think about it. It's a major reason for investment mistakes as investors are often overconfident um, because they can they keep getting data that appears to confirm the decisions that they have made. This overconfidence can result in a false sense that nothing is likely to go wrong, which increases the risk of being blindsided when something does go wrong. Like, think about it. You know, it's like when we constantly look for things to just confirm exactly our bullish thesis or our bullish case, and though we don't look towards any of the bearish sentiment or any of the bearish thesis, you know, one of the reasons why I like Tesla, I'm very bullish on it. But at the same token, I do like to hear the bearish comments or the bearish thesis. And they've got to make sense. Like, I try to make sure that I, I, I give it the same type of energy that I would expect for somebody to give me if I was talking about it from a bullish standpoint. So that way, essentially, I don't feel blindsided if I'm looking at something in perspective of that thesis. So that way, it also helps me because I know kind of like what to expect. Or just have an idea. Okay, regret aversion bias, aka loss aversion. This is the tendency for people to strongly prefer avoiding losses than obtaining gains. Closely related to loss aversion is the endowment effect, which occurs when people place a higher value on a good that they own than an identical good that they do not own. Now, we're not going to get to the part of it as it pertains to the ownership of things, but let's talk about, say, for example, you know, like the, the thing of like, all right, well, I'm going to literally let's 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 break this down, shall we? Mm -hmm. So I strongly prefer I strongly prefer avoiding losses than obtaining gains. So which means that I will take the minimal amount of gains here. Just the fact that I'm just getting some gains versus essentially taking no loss. Mark, so, do you remember yes. me with this? There's uh, a, I have a prime example of when this happened. Sure. For me personally. So you y'all, um, this was early on in my investing journey and I had XLK and it was toward, this was 20, I think this was like 20, maybe 2019, mm -hmm. possibly. Yeah. I think it was 2019. And I had, this is when, this is when XLK dipped and I freaked out, even though I had a long-term, I freaked out didn't know what's going on and the pain of loss and keep in mind, it wasn't that much loss, but at that, at that period in time, in my growth stage, I was like, no dollars left behind. What is this? It could have went down by 2%. I would have been like, what's going on. So I remember I sold out of that position and then I was spooked. And so I started saying, okay, Mark, I'm only going to, I'm going to, now my new trading rules are if it hits 40%, I'm out. And Mark, I was like, wait, what? <laughs> I thought I was like 40% and I'm out. Like I just 40%, I'm out. And he said, you know, that's a given for, uh, for options. And I was like, well, that's fine and dandy, but I, you know, I'm out at 40%. And so every time I did that for, I think two trades, and then I started checking back on my trades and seeing that that 40%, those ones where I was only taking 40%, if I would have held on even, even if I just held on for a couple more days, it would have been 150%, sometimes 200%. And in that moment, I had to go back and check myself on, on this particular bias because 
that one situation where I got spooked. So it was always a situation where I didn't want to lose anything. So I took a very small gain and that is not the way to grow your portfolio. And it didn't want Mark. One thing that I do remember you told me you matched it up, Mark, with mm-hmm. what my, what my goals were. <laughs> and when you did that, then, then I was like, okay, I can't do 40%. I got to stick longer for the game. So it happens. Mm-hmm. Okay. So let's go on to the next one. Disposition okay. effect winners versus losers. This is a tendency to label investments as winners or losers. It can lead an investor to hang on to an investment that no longer has any upside or sell or winning investment too early uh, to make up for previous losses. This can increase capital gains taxes, one, and can reduce returns even before taxes, aka individual brokerage accounts. So sometimes you even see folks do this to, so they'll subsidize winners for losers. So they'll jump into a winning and they'll be in a winning position but then they'll jump out of that one to jump into a losing position thinking, you know, with this and with this perspective of, you know, this is going to be, this has some upside or this has a lot of upside and then boom, it's like, you're only hurting yourself. Okay. Here comes hindsight, <laughs> AKA the crystal ball. The most common, you know, phrase is hindsight is twenty twenty. This is a tendency to see beneficial past events as predictable and bad events as not predictable. To an investor to believe after the fact that the onset of a past event was predictable and completely obvious, whereas, in fact, the event could not have been reasonably predicted, um, that's a.k.a. hindsight. So, you like, for example, like a lot of folks thought, thought that, okay, hey, like, in my particular case, I knew that there was a recession coming. But did I know that the recession that was going to be kicked off was going to be, say, for example, COVID-19 that was going to literally get that party started? No. And I say this a lot of times to folks where it's like where they say that, okay, hey, yeah, I knew that it was going to be COVID. Like I had like any time that a person tells you that or that they like they know that type of information, then nine times out of 10, call the FBI immediately because how did you know? Like mm-hmm. unless you know, know. played a part. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um. So then let's get to familiarity. You want to take this one, Jolyn? I do, because y'all y'all know how me and Stock Bay are. This is this bias all day and all night. So I am self-identifying as someone who has familiarity bias, aka those rivers and lakes. So this is when investors, like ourselves, have a preference for familiar or well-known investments despite the seemingly obvious gains from diversification. Anxiety can surface when it comes to even the notion of diversifying, aka stepping out on your stock bay, for example. Um, And with this, (laughs) when you do that, um, this could lead to familiar and unfamiliar like stocks or ETFs. Um, You miss that opportunity because it's outside of your comfort zone. And that type of mentality, you know, it could lead to a raggedy portfolio. Um, with a greater risk of losses. So, you know, let me let me just say, in Stock Bay's defense, when you hold on for long-term, um, even with the ups and downs, the manic behavior, you know, sleeping on the couch one day, not sleeping on the couch the other day, you know, when that happens, um, if you hold on long-term, chances are uh, you will eventually reap the reward. And that's just based off of, and I'm talking about um, SMAs just in general, uh, or specifically rather, that's Mm -hmm. when, you know, you can look at SMH charts and you can see their behavior. You can see how that particular stock moves. And so when we get into this bias, we can miss opportunity, especially as it relates to seasonality. So if you're holding on, you know, because it's the rivers and the lakes that you're used to, and then it decides not to act right, that holding on and not um, and not checking that bias can lead to uh, your portfolio looking raggedy because now you've suffered a loss and something that you thought was going to be a win. So we always say that, you know, these stocks, these ETFs aren't loyal. Well, they're not. Um, and we get to be aware of that. And I will say, I stand by 
all stock days, all stock crushes, all of that. Like I stand by that because for me, it's a way of how I relate to the stock. But again, mama didn't raise no fools. I know with seasonality that things can happen. Um, so I just, you know, with this one, Mark, this one kind of hit personally. I felt attacked, you know, just like the garage attacked, you know, Galactic <laughs> like I feel attacked right now. <laughs> like I feel attacked. <laughs> it's okay. Cause you know what? I'm about to feel attacked in like three seconds and three, okay. two, <laughs> self-attribution bias. <laughs> Talk about where cocky, it. Where cockiness supersedes talent. <laughs> Investors who suffer from self-attribution bias tend to attribute successful outcomes to their own actions and bad outcomes to external factors. They often exhibit this bias as a means of self-protection or self-enhancement. Investors affected by self-attribution bias may become overconfident. (laughs) And throughout the history of my trading, you know, career, you know, I can probably like the, the strongest losses that I've ever taken in my trading career has always been self-attribution bias. Now, mm. to the degree in the sense of, all right, well, one, you know, there were some extenuating factors that kept me from being able to stay focused on my portfolio at the time when I took that huge loss in 2018. When in reality, reality check says, look here, Mark, no, for real, for real you need to like check yourself because of the fact is you could have easily set notifications on your phone. You could have easily checked your portfolio at any point in time. Don't make up those excuses and say that, all right, well, you know, Hey, that you couldn't have done this. And you were also busy when you got money on the line. Don't do that. And essentially that's something in where I must learn. And that was a well-deserved learning lesson along with in 2021. At the same time, I was very, very cocky about, Tesla being able to go for a glorious run, though it did, but yet at the same token, at the timing in what I said that it was, and then I kept blaming it on extenuating circumstances and factors, but when I was right, oh man, shoot, yo, I'm walking out like Conor McGregor in a knockout, Um, but then when it's like it's a loss, oh man, yo, the world hates me, it was like, you know, the market didn't want me to be great. All those things come into play when we talk about self-attribution bias, you know, AKA just don't do it. I will add that, you know, it's okay for the market to humble you. Just don't let it hobble you. Meaning don't let the, any of these biases get to the point where now you're sitting on the sidelines and you have like severe inaction, you know, like it's okay to be humbled, you know, take a moment, have a seat, you know, close your mouth, be reflective, you know, read a book or whatever, but do not let this market hobble you. Of course. And then we got trend chasing bias. It'll happen again. I know it. Investors (laughs) often chase past performance in the mistaken belief that historical returns predict future investment performance. This tendency is complicated by the fact that some product issuers may increase advertising when past performance is high to attract new investors. Mm. So we see this all the time. So -hmm. we see this all the time, right? Like, for example, Mm -hmm. you know, you're starting to see a great amount of ETFs that are starting to hit the market. You're starting to see different companies starting to get the shine. Like, for example, you know, you saw that even in the media where they were tracing on a trend and they're very good at like holding on to a trend and like just running with it until the wheels fall off until they're waiting for the next hit. And essentially you saw that with, say, for example, like your fintech stocks where everybody was trying to jump onto fintech stocks at the end of the year. And then essentially fintech was ultimately being eaten. And at the same token, people were being fed, you know, hey, you need to go towards the investment banks or the regional banks or the financial institutions because of the fact that they do better in rate hike environments. You see how that kind of like that, that, that small tweak within the narrative ultimately started to change everything, which sent, say, for example, a lot of those companies dropping by 30, 40, even some 50%. Meanwhile, at the same token, you saw those financials ultimately ticking up. And then at the same token, you saw other folks jumping onto the bandwagon to say, okay, hey, I'm going to do this. So it happens. And, you know, it's kind of funny because, you know, everybody kind of like makes this as a common joke, but it's like, 
the thing is, is that every position or every company out there is going to have a bad day. It's going to have a bad day, bad week, bad month, bad quarter, bad year. It's going to happen. You know, the, the greatest thing that I learned from Dan Ives was the fact that he was like, you know, there was moments where I made a thesis or my thesis was solid and everything else, but the market just didn't agree and it just didn't take. Mm -hmm. So those are some of the things in which that we look at in the sense of when we start tracing, when we start chasing trends and here's another gem for everybody. You know, when you think about it, when you're in a brand new year, it's very hard to do so, but you get better with it over time. When you start a new year, it's clean slate. It's literally clean slate. So for example, you know, 2021 history, or for the folks who started in 2020, 2020 was history. 2021 brought in a whole new, a whole new set of nuances. Just mm -hmm. like it did last year, it's doing the same thing this year where it's creating a whole different set of nuances. There may be some similarities here in which that we can probably see, but historically, like for example, everybody's talking about like the taper tantrum of 2013, 2014, and, you know, if you're literally investing with that same type of attitude and mindset, then you could be in a world of hurt because the economic conditions were completely different. There's always so many different extenuating factors that you really can't apply to these things and say, okay, hey, well, I'm going to literally say that this is the trend. I'm going to follow it. So then we come back to worry bias. Now, I think that this is something that literally connects us all. Yes. You know, market <laughs> crashes and pullbacks. Where it's like, if you notice throughout the year, have you guys ever noticed that throughout YouTube, you always hear about everybody always talking about a market crash? Mm -hmm. Like every year, it's like you could probably, and, and I, if you can't do a tally this year, how many times are people going to talk about market crashes? And it's like, we always hear them talk about market crashes and then the market crash doesn't happen. It's only a matter of time until that one person says, okay, hey, market crash and everything else. And it's like, all right, well, finally we're right. And then that person goes on to write a book. But if we think about it, it's like, you know, worry bias is something that we all have because it's innately in all of us. Now, keep in mind, these biases are built from emotions that are in deeply embedded and they're cognitive. But worrying is natural, common human emotion. It evokes memories and creates visions of possible future scenarios that alter an investor's judgment about personal finances. Like for example, why is it that a lot of folks never jumped into the stock market before 2020 or before 2019? Well, because of the fact that they didn't do so because of the fact that they thought that, okay, hey, well, you know, this isn't for me. This is for folks in whom which that don't look like me. You know, honestly, I don't have enough money to, to start making money in the market or to start investing. You know, I've, seen, I've heard of other folks losing money in the market during the dot-com bubble or whatever it is and I don't want to f find myself in that position. Or when I put my money into the market and the day that I see it go down, it's like, oh, I'm just filled with worry, like Mississippi or Rome is burning. Investment anxiety increases its perceived risk and lowers the level of risk tolerance. Now, it's like, again, we talked about it a few years ago, and we talk about it pretty much every year. What is your risk appetite? If you have a strong risk appetite, then you're going to have a stomach of like steel where you can handle the emotional ups and downs and the volatility. If that's not your speed and if your heart isn't set up like that, then ultimately you're not going to have a heavy risk tolerance. So to avoid this bias, try matching your level of risk tolerance with an appropriate asset allocation strategy. Rolling fours, anyone? Hmm. So something to keep in mind, because when you do that in a long-term investment, though that it's, it may not be the most sexiest of investments, but yet at the same token, it gets the job done. So with that all being said, Let's do a slight little pause break for a second. And let's just go ahead and ask each and every single one of you at home. What's your bias tally? And don't worry, this is a this is no judgment here. This is a judgment-free zone. If you can, put it in the chat. What if you were going through all of eight, how many out of the eight do you do you probably line up with? So for me. Mm -hmm. I'll go out there and say that probably my my bias is probably maybe three or four out of the eight at any given time. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I know for sure mine is um, familiarity for sure. Um, last year, there was some overconfidence now, mm -hmm. um, which led to some humbling, not hobbling, but humbling. <laughs> so I'll definitely say that, but we got... Okay, people are 
We're telling the truth. We got threes. We got fours. <laughs> Somebody said I, I stopped counting. All of them. <laughs> sometimes it can feel like that and depending on where you are in the beginning of your of the time in which that you started doing this mm-hmm. you know as you go through you know your investment your investor journey you start to learn things about yourself you know the greatest investors out there have a clear idea of self but even then they understand that there's always room for improvement and there's always an area in which that they can that they're probably overlooking or that there's a stone that's left unturned that needs to be checked out and this is just more so just a self-check Mm-hmm. So, and Mark, when you were talking about resetting in the beginning of the year, mm-hmm. um, that was really, I think that's a good thing to, to focus on um, because we can allow for the things that happened last year to hold us back or, you know, increase confidence, especially if you like hit all your, all your trades, all your thesis. Is it these side? These sisters were popping, <laughs> all of that, you know? Like then you might think that, you, that you're out here in traffic, right? And then we have something like the first couple of uh, days of January smack you down. So I think that the, a good way to constantly check in, especially if you want a cadence, you know, beginning of the year, address all these times when you had a bias. Mm-hmm. That's why it's important to keep an investor's journal. And then you know, maybe you want to do that quarterly and then maybe monthly. I mean, it's up to you what your cadence is, but constantly um, checking in with yourself and your investor peers is a good way to check that bias. And it's interesting because it's like, you know, really, uh, you know, a lot of folks are very good at putting together plans. Mm-hmm. But I would say this, here's an extra gem to it that a lot of folks don't talk to you about. A plan, having a plan is great, but also having a plan with also putting together a procedural process Mm. makes you dope. Because then when you have that standard operating procedure of these are the systematic things in which that I will do and that I will hold myself to, the trading plan is just, you know, you know, those are great because that gives you a lot of strategy. It also gives you a roadmap, a blueprint of what is it that you want to do. But the standard operating procedure, it, it kind of gives you the go and no go codes of what is it that okay, hey, if this does not if this does not pass X Y Z, it's a no go. I move on. That's so, it, it's something that it, it takes it takes practice over time. But essentially, it's like even the best of the best still focus on trying to get better and mastering this as a craft. Um, but the, the interesting thing is the reason why we tell this to you all in your sophomore year is again, seek wisdom, not knowledge, because the knowledge is of the past. Wisdom is of the future. But, you know, it's interesting that we talk about our bias, right? Mm-hmm. But Jolyn. Yes. What about oh. them? Oh, Lord. Oh, Lord. Now, this opens up a whole nother other, Mark. We start (laughs) talking about artificial intelligence to the point where they have their biases. Um, (laughs) That's going to be wild. Oh, my gosh. Um, I'm not going to say scary. I'm going to say wild. So... It's kind of interesting that we say this, right? Because when we think about it, you know, I want to share something with y'all, but I'm going to quickly get up out of this presentation. So for those of y'all that know, like literally this was a stick to the script at the money and at the money joint featuring the S&P 500, AKA the spy or SPX, insert your name here, beneficiary, uh, wealth builder. And on top of that, guest starring the ETFs and index sectors, also known as XOK, XOY, SMH, VOO, VTI. And remember, you are always uh, your ancestors' wildest dreams, and never forget that. But, you know, we're not done here, because it's only 617, and, you know, I'm going to pull a Steve Jobs. Hey. And I feel like it's time for us to go on a field trip. What do you think about that, Jolene? I'm ready to get on the magic school bus. Okay. Oh, wow. Okay. <laughs> Don't fret. You know that cartoon was lit. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Um, so let me go ahead and transition us 
out real quick because I feel like people like, hey, where are your faces? And we're gonna literally do something pretty, pretty cool here if I can get it nice and lined up for the people because I feel like, you know, I would be remiss not to share this with folks. So give me one quick second here. What if there were AI-based ETFs? Now, of course, everybody's going to think like, oh, Mark, there's tons of robotics and automation ETFs out there. But what if that's not what I'm talking about? Mm, more. <laughs> what if I was to tell you that there are AI, there are AI-based ETFs that literally the AI manages the ETF, knows when to sell, knows when to get in, knows when to get out before the market even sees it, and has been doing that quite well over some particular time. And what if that's possible that you can use that as your benchmark and say, for example, looking at things before they drop? Insert evil laugh. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Okay. So journey with me, people, if you know, this uh, wonderful Zoom wants to be my friend. If not, then, you know, it's fine. It's going to be all about lollipops and certain things. Um, let's see here. And meanwhile, oh, there we go. Um, all right, so let us go ahead and we're going to transition. What if there were AI investments? So the, I want you guys to all check this out. So this is a wonderful little site called Craft AI ETFs. And in Craft AI ETFs, these are AI-focused ETFs where they're able to make purchases. And here's the funny thing about these ETFs um, and about the platform. The AI literally manages, so it's like literally having trade algos in the focus of an ETF. And it's been soundly beating, say, for example, specific areas of the benchmark of the S&P 500 pretty soundly. Now, of course, they haven't been in existence too long, so let's just put that out there as a disclaimer. But let's just take a look at, say, for example, uh, this one, which is an AI-enhanced U.S. large-cap ETF. So it's optimized and actively managed by artificial intelligence technology. Um, the investment objective of the fund is to seek capital appreciation. So how does it work? So gain exposure to various industry sectors. AI's goal is to strategically find alpha factors to outperform the S&P 500 index. And it has been doing so quite well. So in one month, so where you see the market price is at 3.1%. It would, I mean, compared to other things, it's been doing pretty well. Now, of course, we can't go out to three years or five years because, again, this is a fairly new ETF. So, but it's very, very interesting because what if I was to tell you that, like, for example, and I may drop the article on social media, probably on Twitter for everybody to check out, but what if I was to tell you that in this platform, they were able to use the AI and the AI sold before, say, for example, some of the stocks sold off anywhere from 10 to roughly 23%. Um, it had an early edge beat on, say, for example, the rest of the market and was able to see, okay, hey, these are areas in which that, you know, we're starting to see weakness and essentially the AI automatically sold. And on top of that, it would buy at the same time. Now, when they say NAV, the dollar value of a single share based on the value of underlying assets of, fund, of the fund minus its liabilities divided by the number of shares outstanding. Um, so they do that at the pretty much at after every single day. So, and yes, it does reveal its holdings. So check it out. So as it stands right now, here are the holdings in which that currently sit within, say, for example, this this specific ETF. And they have multiple ones. So this is, say, for example, the large cap ones. But then mm -hmm. they also have an enhanced U.S. large cap momentum ETF. And again optimized and actively managed by AI. So essentially, you can see exactly how the AI is moving. So if you're looking at it and saying, all right, well, you know, hey, where is it that I can place? It's pretty much looking at in the perspective of probably even 
we're getting to a point of AI will probably replace actual people money managers. So, you know, that's, that's really the focus where essentially you're going to start seeing that th these types of platforms and this, we're at a very, we're at the, I wouldn't say we're at the very most infancy stage, but given the sense that AI can process data and it never quits and it's always cross-referencing and everything else, how can the actual humans keep up? Mm, mm, mm. So something to keep into perspective, the company is based out of Korea and I'm probably sure that there's more other companies that are coming down the pipeline. Now, you're probably asking, well, Mark, how does this apply to me, the investor? Well, if you're able to stay in tune to what's going on and to watch the activity of what the ETF or what the AI ETF is doing, you can kind of get an early jump and use that data to cross-reference with your own thesis, your own trading plan, your own uh, process in order to see, okay, hey, well, you know, how does this fare in comparison to my own trading strategy and plan? And then possibly even be able to see that looking at some of the exits that it's making, is it making exits at the at before time, before essentially we go through that euphoric stage and then we see that drop off? Something to keep in mind there. So how do you think it pairs with um, checking our biases? So keep in mind, a lot of these things is like you don't like the, the thing is when you start becoming reliant on a specific thing, mm -hmm. then you start to build up a bias there. Mm -hmm. So the goal is to always remain objective as an investor or as a trader. Now, here's the thing for investors. They're able to do a lot better when it comes to addressing their bias because why you're thinking more so on a longer term perspective. So it's just more so in the sense of, you know, you could be long term incorrect and those things hurt more versus traders where they're using the type of bias and those things can cause you to lose money a lot faster. Hmm. So when it comes to essentially becoming more reliant or emotionally tied to something, that's when you can kind of start to get a sense of where the bias is. And it's just as simple as, as it's just as simple as, you know, just checking it. Hey, am I, have I become too reliant on this data source? You know, have I become, am I still objective or am I more so, you know, very much so at a bias there? And it's okay to sometimes have a bias. We all do. You know, you're never going to get at, you're never going to absolutely not have any bias. I'm not trying to tell anybody that you're going to be absolutely absolved of all bias. That's not going to happen. But what you can do is you can be more cognizant of the bias and recognizing at times, sometimes the bias will work in your favor. And then at other times, the bias will not work in your favor. The thing that you need to, like I said, the thing that you need to be most mindful of is again, just being objective. Mm -hmm. And if you can be objective, then essentially your your chances for error tend to come down a bit. Okay. Be objective. Be e objective. Okay. Yeah. And the thing is, is like, you know, let the data, you know, let the data validate. You know, mm -hmm. data always tends to validate. Like, for example, it'd be like the person asking, does two plus two equal four? Well, if X amount of folks were is sitting in a room and there was a few folks in the room that says, no, it equals four, but everybody says that it equals five. Sooner or later, you know, when you go back and check the work and see if everything balances, then now we have data. Now we have facts. Mm -hmm. Okay. Well, Mark, this um, has been very, um, what's the word I'm looking for? self-reflective definitely um and mainly because it's one it's a good reminder to like being aware of all these possible we'll just call them traps you know mm -hmm. uh, things that can stunt our growth as a trader so important um because oftentimes i feel like if you are stuck in these um biases that's how other people, you know, can legit make money off you because they know that you have, have a bias towards X, Y, and Z. Um, and so if we are constantly, you know, flipping the script, you know, switching up the game and what have you, we can be agile. Was that butter? No, that was my wife. She was sneezing. Oh, bless you. 
because I thought that was better. I was like, I don't even see better. Oh, there he goes. Um, so the Joker card tonight was literally the, the ETFs, just for everybody out there to understand. Mm -hmm. The Joker card is understanding that essentially that you can now apply something when you mm -hmm. look at your investments, especially in some of these companies that I know that a lot of folks are investing in or trading. Mm -hmm. And to see exactly like, okay, hey, if you really go back and look at like, for example, AMOM, that's one of the ETFs. Um, the other one is uh, QRFT, um, HDIV, and then NVQ. Those are all the ETFs through Craft uh, AI ETFs. And you mm -hmm. can see exactly how it's performing and looking at when did they, they, they disclose on a monthly basis. Mm -hmm. When did they exit out of such positions? And essentially, or when do they enter into positions? And you can go back and cross-reference that because, of course, you've got data to be able to look at events and say, okay, hey, well, when they exited this, this is what happened that followed. Mm -hmm. When they got into this, this is what happened. To kind of like look at and to get a perspective of their track record. That's a huge card right there because of the fact that, you know, it's kind of hard to get that kind of perspective Mm -hmm. Especially when you're starting to look at, you know, where are you in the grand scheme of things? Well, also, I mean, just as an organizing, um, you know, strategy, it would be really cool to have, you know, these to have, you know, cousins be responsible for tracking one of these ETFs and then monthly reflecting back. Um, and, you know, you all sharing that sharing that data um you i mean obviously you can do it by yourself as well but like if you wanted to like link arms with other cousins and you know play um analyst you can do so i mean i mean you would be using the hindsight bias but that's okay because it'll be for learning you know you say well let's see how um nvq did this month um and then check back yeah. and then check that against you know what you're doing so i mean there's so many ways to to go after this, but um, Mark, honestly, that is mind blowing. Like if we think about all the things that AI is gonna, you know, be in the mix for, it's wild. It is I mean, really and hopefully people understand, like, you know, when you have that type of card that you can play at any time mm -hmm. when looking at your portfolio or putting together your thesis and everything else just to do as a fact checker. Mm -hmm. um, that's huge. That's really, really huge. You know, and like, again, there's going to be more AI ETFs out there and just like seeing exactly how their track records perform. But remember this when dealing with artificial intelligence or algorithms, and this is why I say to retail investors is like, be careful with, you know, specific AI algorithms that haven't really been fully, you know, vetted and tested mm -hmm. because wall street loves to sniff out a, they love to sniff out algorithms uh out there and essentially mm -hmm. they like to learn them and then ultimately they like to beat them so i wouldn't say, and that's the reason why i'm saying don't make this the end all be all but use this as a way to again check your work check yeah, your work and see exactly where you're at don't be like all right well i'm gonna just use this platform and be like boom right. and here it is but here yeah. is something in which that they have inflows of cash that are coming through so they have investors aum and mm -hmm. on top of that, they have folks out there that essentially that are starting to pick up on this. And I'm probably sure by the end of this year, this is going to probably pick up some more steam. I just mm -hmm. want to let everybody know as a disclaimer, this is not an endorsement of such a platform. It's an, or not an endorsement of the company. There is no partnership or anything like that. This is more so in the sense that I find that, the, that there is some viability behind this, some strong viability and something that you should use yet again as another tool. If you think about all the tools in which that we put together and given to each and every single one of you, the cousins at your disposal, you know, mm -hmm. honestly, hands down, game changing, you know, each and every single one of them legendary from Quiverquant to Well Wisdom to Bar Chart to now something like this and many others, you know, we're probably going to even introduce some others out there, some free or a lot of them will try to focus on getting you free data and then other ones, some of which that you may have to pay a premium for but yet at the same token worth it. So all in all, it's something to really help you. And just as it pertains to you putting together your thesis and also confirming it or also being objective against it. Yeah. Well, Mark, you know, that's three minutes over, but I do want to say <laughs> that uh, we have supplemental Sundays again. 
this Sunday with a big cousin Q. Q will be in the building, so get ready for that. Um, and we'll we'll announce it again, but five o'clock uh, Pacific Standard Time, and that's eight eight p.m. Eastern Time. Um, we'll announce it again on Thursday, but y'all should be you know in the cadence now and in, in the cadence and flow. Supplemental Sundays, you still have the come up series coming through come up cousins coming through teaching and all growing together so again that will be this sunday so don't forget to tune in and mark will be back on thursday right yes we will but uh should we make the announcement yeah we should okay so we've been y'all we've been going very hard every tuesday and thursday but Jolyn and I are starting to transition to the point where we want to start creating more like, you know, pre-recorded, pre-recorded. more creative content. And mm-hmm. so Tuesdays will definitely be here. Thursdays, it's not going to be every Thursday where you're going to be seeing us. And don't worry, because at the same token, the Come Up Series family is getting bigger. So mm-hmm. which means that there will be more faces that are coming forth to the forefront to be able to step forth and teach and to give you valuable information to bring other discussion topics other related items or essentially you have an, a wide array a wide array of programming so that way essentially you're never lost in the sauce but you can always stay tuned and find out what's next like think about it you had tuesdays and thursdays with myself and jolyn non-stop except for vacations and then mm-hmm. on top of that you had sector sundays which turned into supplemental sundays which they're doing a phenomenal job I hear that there's also another show coming on the way that requires a little bit of vision. Um, and you never know. There may be some other things in which that we start talking about world news as well as you know startups into the landscape. So we've got an, a, a wide array. So the Come Up series is expanding and we'll probably start to wind down the Thursday shows. Uh, probably our last amount of Thursday episodes will probably end at the, at the end of Black History Month. Yeah, so be on the lookout for that. But, you know, it's also an indicator of our growth, you know, Um, and actually giving giving even more, you know, because there will be more people um, that are giving. So, yes, I'm looking forward to it because now we'll really be able to be in our creative bag. Y'all don't know, like having the the space to create is a luxury. It feels amazing when you can just, you're not bound by, oh, I got to be in this meeting at X, Y, and Z time, or I got to show up here. It's just like, you just get to create. And that is a life that you already know I'm all about. Like, all I want to do is just to be free to be and create however I see fit. So I just want to thank y'all for, you know, rocking with us, you know, this time and and witnessing. And like I said, there's there's other great, you know, there's other great, wonderful people that this platform will do to bring to the forefront and into the light. And that's our focus. Like, you know, there's you'll see. Stay tuned. Yeah, stay tuned. Until next time, I'm Mark Monroe. AKA the cousin. Oh, Oh, the cousin? Okay, okay. You know I'm out here. (laughs) I forgot which cousin I said I was. Oh, wow. (laughs) Has it changed? I I don't, it could have. I mean, I always change it. Well, it has to be a GC. So it's going to be the generous cousin. Okay. (laughs) Jolene GC and the place to be. She is very generous, though. So, (laughs) (laughs) so. Y'all, thank you for rocking with us. Be kind, keep learning, keep researching, because the more you learn, the more you earn. We will see y'all on Thursday. Have a great evening. And don't forget, it's all in the mind. Peace, Mm. y'all.